Have you ever been in a situation where someone makes a request of you or kind of won't stop bothering you and you need to tell them no or stop, but it makes you kind of physically sick? That has happened to me a lot. That's why I have my therapist on to talk to us today about how to set boundaries, protect our own rights, and communicate with people who might not be the easiest to communicate with about our boundaries. After this episode, you're going to walk away with some tools to set and maintain healthy boundaries so you can prioritize yourself. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, the podcast empowering women into shameless self-respect, independence, and equal partnership. I'm your host, Elsie, and as I mentioned before, boundaries is a big one. It has been such a big one for me as a people pleaser. One day, my mom said that she knows of a therapist who specializes in boundaries and wanted to connect us. I am so glad she did. Tina Raitley is a clinical therapist who also has a passion for healing through hypnosis and spiritual work. She has special skills to work with people with all types of trauma and to help people who have experienced or are experiencing abusive relationships. Tina's specialized training, along with her personal experiences in relationships and in spiritual growth, fuel her passion for helping people heal and grow. I'm so pleased to introduce you to my therapist, Tina Raitley. What are the red flags that we have to see inside ourselves to protect ourselves? Specifically, when you are meeting somebody for the first time and you have had people-pleasing or codependency tendencies before. Yeah, I think it's really important that you come from a place of confidence already. And of course, nobody's perfect. We all struggle somewhat with that. But really know that you are coming from a place where you know yourself, you know your values, what you want, and you're not ashamed of any of it. You're out there going, this is what I want. This is who I am. And you're okay if it doesn't work out. The bottom line for you is no matter what, it's going to be okay. And I'm going to be okay. My life's going to be fine because I have a full life. And yes, wanting a partner is absolutely normal and healthy as part of your life. And that you believe you deserve the person that's right for you, that's best for you. So do some evaluating of who am I really? What do I want in life? Who do I want to be with? What do I want to be spending time doing and not settling for anything less than who you are and what you want? Basically, what you're saying is first, really before you can even contemplate what your red flags might be, is discern whether or not you're even confident in yourself, whether or not you have a high self-esteem. Yeah, at least it's something you can't measure, but feel healthy and feel like you can say, yeah, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm a good person. I care about myself and you take care of yourself. You're already doing healthy things, good things for yourself. That's the best place to be in when you're looking for a relationship. I love where this is going already because mm -hmm. I feel like when I moved to Hawaii, I felt like I was doing everything for me. I was really following my heart, my soul. I knew who I was and I was not going to settle. And then I met somebody who was not my list. So I made a list 
of all the things that I wanted in somebody, but he felt like home. And I thought that I was being selfish or asking for too much or not even really selfish, but I thought that, well, this stuff probably shouldn't actually really matter that much to me. Maybe I'm being superficial. These things were have a spiritual practice. Don't drink and eat like me. So I don't think that's superficial. So that's one of the red flags that you're asking about is when you start looking at things that you've already put on your list or you already know in your mind are your values, things that are important to you. If it's important to you, it's important to you. And that's valid. It's not for anyone else to say that that's not important enough or that's not right. It's up to you. And so if you put it on there and then you start saying, well, maybe it's not that important and you start taking things off your list, that's a red flag. But we do that. And I say we, because you see something in someone and it can even be a friend or just people in your life. And you think, oh, they're really great. I want that person around me. And it takes a while to get to know someone. And then you start seeing some things, but you start checking off your list and saying, well, I guess I don't have to ask for that too. Instead of saying, well, I'm getting to know them. There are some of these things that are important to me that I'm starting to see aren't fitting with me. Instead of saying, okay, maybe they're not the right person for me. We put ourselves down and say, well, I guess I should sacrifice on that part. Or maybe that isn't as important. Maybe I'm being too picky. Maybe I'm being too judgmental because we're not supposed to be judgmental, which we're not, but that's not being judgmental. That's standing up for what's right for you. And you are the only one that knows what's right for you. It's not wrong. And you said the word, the judgmental thing. I Mm -hmm. felt like, well, that's being judgmental being judgmental isn't spiritual. Mm -hmm. So maybe I really am just trying to be too spiritual or something. Right. And that's something we're taught. And I don't mean to generalize, but women tend to be taught more. You just have to be nice and not be judgmental. It's knowing the difference between judgmental and standing up for your own values, your own way of life. And that's not wrong. You can do it in a non-judgmental way. Right. And I think that's where the mindset comes in that you were talking about right away, Mm -hmm. that it's about knowing that you're good enough and that if it's not this person, it's another person, right? That abundance mindset, pretty much. Yes. I I just keep going back. You you don't have to settle. Like, don't settle. That's not being too picky. It's, It's saying, this is who I am. This is what I want. And That's just a thing. I'm not asking for perfection. When it comes down to it, people don't list these lists of people that they want that I, you know, I need a a rock star of this person. They've got to be this, this, and this. We really just want someone who's most like us and most like at least the values that we're striving for in ourselves, the best self we have. We want someone that's like that too, and is striving for that too. And that's, what's going to make us happiest in the long run. That's so true. What do people who are settling Why are they settling? Why, what is the cause of that? Everything boils down to fears. One of the theories is that all of our emotions come down to two emotions, love and fear. And when we're feeling love, which means we're feeling loved and love, the things we do coming out of that are going to be positive and healthy and good for us and good for other people. And when it's coming out of a place of fear, it's going to be fear-based. It's going to be doing what I need right now in this moment instead of, okay, maybe I can be patient or tolerate something that's not bad for you. It's just usually patience is one of those things we have to tolerate, but we want 
we need something right now, or we're feeling awful enough that we need something right now to feel better. And something comes along and it's kind of like a drug. (laughs) Wow. It makes you feel really good right now. And the brain overrides and says, yeah, do that again, do more of that. But now it's kind of tricked into thinking, okay, this, this great thing is really good for me because it feels so good. And then it's not looking at the other parts like a drug in the long run aren't good for you because other problems all over the place. But no, when you get to that place of not feeling good, oh, you've got this thing that makes you feel good. You're going to go for that. That sounds like the best way of describing codependency because it's like there's a dependence on the drug and there's a dependence on this person then because of what you're perceiving or you're feeling like you're getting from them. It's part of our brain that's wired into us, especially when we're really distressed, really unhappy if you've been through a lot. So it's important to work on those. So if you're in a good place, those are less likely to happen. If you're in like emotional pain already and somebody comes along that makes you feel good, there's a chance, there's more of a chance that it's going to end up like that drug. They make you feel good. And so the brain kicks into survival and says, this overrides the emotional pain. We're going to go for that over and over again, even though once the drug wears off, there's all of this other horrible stuff that you're feeling. And the emotional pain you began with is still there. The person didn't take that away, but the brain will go back to that. It'll go back to what feels good. Just thinking it's surviving that way. What are some signs within Mm -hmm. a relationship that Mm -hmm. people can look out for as far as obviously the good feeling things we kind of know, but what are the things that make us feel bad that we tend to sort of ignore or push aside or don't really make as important because we want to feel the good and we just want to gravitate toward that? I think you had mentioned before that we wanted to talk about the personal rights. Yes. So we have this list. You have the list that you can share with people of what your personal rights are. Everyone has these personal rights. So when you know what these are, and when one of your personal rights is being, I don't say violated, that's a strong word, but sometimes, or at least that boundary is being pushed, like being treated with respect. If all of a sudden you feel like you haven't been treated with respect, but in your mind you say, oh, wait, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm being too sensitive. Maybe I'm just overthinking this. That's a red flag. And it doesn't mean you need to run from the relationship. It just means come back to your personal rights. And it's okay for you to say, hey, that made me feel a certain way. And give the person a chance. Maybe they didn't realize what they were doing. Give them a chance to go, oh, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. And you can communicate and work through it. The right to make your own decisions. The right to change your mind. The right to not have a guilt trip laid on you. If people are doing these things and you just keep thinking, well, yeah, but there's all this other good stuff. I should just tolerate these things because there's this good stuff that maybe I won't find anywhere else. It's just noticing. It doesn't mean every red flag you need to cut off the relationship. It just means start paying attention and start seeing what is outweighed. Like a scale, the old-fashioned scale with the two sides, you know, you need to uphold your rights as much as the other person. And so people that tend to be people pleasers that have a risk of being codependent tend to have the other person's rights upheld higher. Oh, my rights just aren't as important right now. You just need to uphold yours as much. So when you do that and you're thinking of their rights at the same time, then you're going to stand up for yourself, set limits, speak your mind, 
doing it in a non-judgmental, respectful way to them because you're aware of their personal rights too. I feel like we tend to feel so guilty when we Mm -hmm. assert ourselves. And that's probably cultural conditioning more than anything or Mm -hmm. from your childhood or whatever. I loved the ones that you brought up. I have my list in front of me here too. And if you want this list, yes, definitely contact me. Get in the free Facebook group. It's called Women Practicing Fierce Self-Love. I will send that to you as long as you let me know you want it. But the guilt trip has definitely been a thing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like speaking from experience. If you tend to feel guilty when you assert yourself or just when you say no and other people are disappointed about that, that's one of those red flags, I think, that we're talking about within yourself to, to look at and say, okay, I know I'm a good person. I know I'm worthy. And I do feel guilty. Where might that be coming from? And I think that's kind of deeper work because it can be so unconscious. What do you think of that? (laughs) Yeah. Cultural (laughs) things. Yes. We're ingrained to do everything that we're asked and feel guilty if you don't. And it's selfish if you don't. That happens. Again, it comes back to being aware of knowing who you are and what you want and then being in charge of what you give away. So (laughs) there's a really good book by Sarah Knight with a K. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. How to Stop Spending Time You Don't Have with People You Don't Like Doing Things You Don't Want to Do. And it sounds harsh. She just uses the F-bomb throughout the book. It's sarcastic and it's funny, but she's dead on with what you do and how to set a limit. So she talks about your budget, just like you have a budget of money. And if you're the kind of person that's going to give money to everyone who knocks on your door asking for a donation to save the whales or the whoever, pretty soon you're giving all your money away and you have a limit. Most of us have a limit on how much money we have. So she says you have a limit on your time, energy, and money. And you have to know what your budget is. You get to be in charge of where it goes, which means you have to say no and you have to get good at saying no. And you can just say no, thank you. Her other caveat is you can do it without being an asshole, which means without being judgmental or disrespectful to people. You can just say, no, thanks. You don't even have to explain more. And you can replace the word fuck with care. (laughs) It's what you care about. So what you have to do is find out what, what is it that you care about in your work, in your relationships, in your life, in the things that you do. What do you actually like to do? What do you actually care about? What are things going on in your life that you really don't care about, but you do them out of obligation, guilt, or something like that. And learn to start just saying no, thank you to those. Because if you give too many of those, you're not going to have enough left for what you need. So just like your money, if you give it away or do this or that, and you don't have enough money for food or bills, you're going to be hurting. And then you won't be any good to anybody. So you're in charge of your time and energy too. If somebody isn't the right person in your life, you will start to notice that they drain your energy. And that's a really strong sign that you need to set a limit on how much you give them. You're in charge, so you can still give them a little. You don't have to take it all away. You can just say, okay, I can do this. She gives the example in her book of she doesn't like baby showers or wedding showers, those kind of things. She's like, I don't give a fuck about those. So she says, no, thank you on the invitation and sits at home while she sips her favorite drink and orders a gift online and has it sent to them. And everybody's happy and she doesn't have to go and spend three hours doing something she doesn't want to do. And it's fine. And when it came to, like she said, her best friend, of course, she's going to go to that shower. 
Okay. So your budget can change depending on who it is, what you're doing, and like how much is reciprocated in the relationship. You might give more there. I just like to refer to that because it's a great way to have a concrete idea of how much you have and where you give it and where not to give it and then how to say no. I love it. I want to dig into, first of all, changing out giving a fuck with caring is the most Mm -hmm. Minnesotan way of saying (laughs) (laughs) giving a fuck. And I think Mm -hmm. we should say it a little bit more because I know my mom's listening in on this podcast and she's not (laughs) a cusser. So she's going to have a good time hearing her daughter say fuck all the time. Hi mom. Love you. (laughs) I love the advice of just say no. You don't have to Mm -hmm. explain yourself. They don't need an explanation. It's true. And in my experience, it's not that simple because some of us get physical pain when we think about saying no to somebody or not doing the thing that they want to do. Have you seen this in your practice? People like me that get almost sick Mm -hmm. when they have to start standing up for themselves? Yes. Couple of things. One is to ask yourself, what's the worst that will happen? Okay, if I say no to this request or whatever it is, what's the worst that will happen? Play the tape all the way through. Which I know makes me sound old. Play the tape all the way through. So keep asking yourself, what's the worst that will happen? Well, I'll say no and then they'll think this of me. Okay. If that happens, then what what's the worst that will come of that? Well, maybe they won't, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they won't talk to me anymore. Okay. What's the worst of that? And keep going until you get down to something pretty extreme. You're going to come up with something extreme. They'll never talk to me again. And nobody actually really likes me. And no one will ever talk to me again. And I'm going to die old and alone. <laughs> because in your mind, you're probably going that far. And if that's what you're hearing in your ear is that you're going to die old and alone. If you don't do this request, of course, you're going to do it. So play that tape all the way through till you realize what you're actually telling yourself and then go, then back it up and go, okay, wait, what is actually going to happen? Is this person going to be disappointed or annoyed? Probably disappointed is usually the, re- the reaction people have to being told no. If they're more than disappointed, then that's their own stuff. Okay. So if you can say, well, being told no to this, it would be disappointing. That's okay. It's okay to disappoint people. So then if that still hurts, (laughs) then you know that you want to do some work with yourself. Why isn't it okay to disappoint people? Why is it my job to make everybody happy? Yes. (laughs) So that is going to boil down to, I'll just like go right there. It's going to boil down to, you're not good enough. Somewhere in you, something is saying you're not good enough. You have to prove yourself somehow. So doing all of these things, you'll somehow prove it instead of being able to say, you know what? I'm already enough. I'm already good enough. I don't have to do or not do or say or not say anything to prove that I'm already there. The things I'm going to do or say are going to be because I'm already feeling good and I want to do those things. I have them in my budget to give to you because there's going to be something that's going to come from that. I'm going to share my light and it's going to come back and it's going to spread to other people too. 100%. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're worried about them never talking to you again. Well, now you have some of your fuck budget back. Then they're not the kind of person you want in your life anyway. And newsflash, not everyone is going to like you. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) God, that's so hard. 
I know some people might not like you for, and it may not even have anything to do with you. It's their own stuff. And so if your goal is to make everyone like you and please everyone, you're going to be so stressed and miserable. <laughs> I was going to okay? say, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> right. So let it go. Save your budget of your time and energy, your light for where it's actually going to make a difference, where people are actually going to go, oh, and get something from it. And then they're going to give back and they're going to give to other people. And it's not selfish. Okay, It's right. not selfish. It's the opposite. When you really think about it, it's the opposite of selfish to say no sometimes, because if you say no, where it's just going to be drained anyway, and it's not going to go anywhere, and then you're drained and you don't have anything for the people left over for yourself. And then if you don't have anything for yourself, then you can't do anything for anybody. So by saying no and recognizing where it matters to say no, where it's just going to drain you, then you're going to be able to do more of the things that are right for you. For myself, I learned over the years, how to say no to some clients who called. I can recognize that there's certain people that are really going to benefit from what I have to offer, what I teach. I consider myself more a teacher than anything and people that aren't the right fit for me. And it's okay to say, no, I'm not kicking them to the curb. There are therapists all over the world who are great and somebody is going to be a good fit and somebody is going to help them probably better than I could. So by saying no, I'm actually helping them and sometimes I do. I help them find another therapist that I think might be a better fit. And then I have the room in my schedule for people that take what I offer and run with it and they benefit and then they pass it on to other people because they've learned something and it just grows. <laughs> That's why it's not selfish to say no. You're going to be able to do a lot more. Yeah. I feel pretty honored mm -hmm. now because you saying no to someone else gave you room to say yes to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that because I've gotten a lot out of our sessions that we had together. Thank you. And, and you are an example of someone who took things and ran with it and look what you're doing. That's why we're talking on this podcast so that other people can hear things and benefit. It really is important to me to make sure that women out there know that they're not alone. One thing that I mm -hmm. noticed, especially with women who are in relationship already, that just isn't quite right we look out and compare and contrast, well, that person has it worse than I do. So I'm just mm -hmm. complaining again. It's kind of that probably goes all the way back down to that self-worth piece on I'm not good mm -hmm. enough to just be able to realize that if it's not right for you, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing out there. How in the heck do we come to terms with that within ourselves to say, it's not right for me. I'm going to do what's right for me. Yes. Yeah, something else we're taught <laughs> yeah. inadvertently. And yeah. we need to be aware and just catch yourself comparing. Okay? Comparing can be helpful when it helps you, but when comparing makes you feel worse, when it makes you think, well, it's not that bad. I shouldn't complain. At least I don't have it that bad. <laughs> you said it right, Laura. <laughs> it's what's right for you. It's like the old expression, you know, can't compare apples to oranges. What's right for someone is not necessarily what's right for someone else. We need to support each other, especially if we haven't felt supported. It's important to look at each other and just validate. We all need valid, even if you don't agree with it. When you see friends going through a difficult relationship and you want to tell them to run and they don't, and they keep coming back, but then they keep coming to you complaining about, you've got to validate how they feel and just say, I understand, I know, and give them some unconditional support. And we need that too. We need people to say, 
it's okay. I don't pretend to know or understand. No one knows exactly. So you are the only one who knows what it's really like. And I don't know if I answered that. Well, it led to something else that I really want to talk about because when you're talking about validate, there was a situation and I'm pretty open. I'm (laughs) pretty transparent about my experience, but I've had a situation in which I would hear my husband's negative projections all the time about how his work, his coworkers, his boss, they were all out to get him, which is exactly opposite of my main overall mindset where I really feel that everything that happens happens for us. That said, some people are cruel, but that's on those people. And I guess karma happens. And if I'm living from my heart and my conscientiousness and doing my best, the best thing is going to happen for me eventually. And one night he was really adamant about And I see this now because I would say, well, I understand that you think that they're out to get you. I wouldn't validate because I was tired of validating. (laughs) One night he said, if a woman gets raped and no one believes her, it's like that. And he kind of made me feel like I was so invalidating for him, which made me go into, I must be wrong here, which is a condition of mine anyways. I'm looking for how am I doing things wrong, which I'm working on. But it feels like a line and it feels like to me, that's more of a, is this compatible with somebody who constantly needs validation that the world is out to get him when I don't believe that the world is like that? Does that make sense? There's people who are healthier, that there's going to be stuff. There's going to be times where you need to set boundaries and there's times where you can validate and it's helpful. Over time, when you're doing what naturally you want to do, you naturally doing some validating. And then sometimes you get validation when you need it. Other times you're a little more annoyed or something happens and you have to set a little bit of a boundary. But when you set a boundary, they go, oh, okay. And they listen to it because they just heard you say, I felt something, you know, I felt hurt or something. They heard you say that they understand that something happened and it's not the end of the world. You're not telling them you're ending the relationship or that you hate them or anything like that. You just said, Hey, I'd like to have this boundary set. And they go, Oh, okay. Life goes on and you get to know each other and you, people do it all the time. You set boundaries with each other. When you try to set boundaries with someone and they turn it back around to blame you for setting the boundary in some way, then that's one of those things you need to pay attention to. Check with yourself, talk to someone else and say, Hey, here's what happened. And get some validation yourself that no, you weren't wrong or crazy there. You were setting a healthy boundary and here's a healthy way it could have happened. And that's something to pay attention to that you can't fix somebody. You can work on things and talk about it with them, but if they're not open to talking about it and doing their own work and their own like, oh, I get what you're saying. Makes me feel like the main kind of a message in relationships is this. You're going to be triggered. It's a relationship. People are going Mm -hmm. to get on each other's nerves. You're going to have Mm -hmm. arguments. There's no perfect relationship, Mm -hmm. but that's not an excuse for staying in when it just continues to drain you. So it comes back to knowing what you want, who you are and express that, not feel guilty about it. You have the right to express yourself. What would you suggest as a way to practice speaking up for yourself setting boundaries when you're not used to it. So maybe you've been a people pleaser for your whole life. And you're like, Mm -hmm. it's time. It's time for me to start speaking up for myself. I've had it. 
what are some of the things that you suggest people to actually do to help either build the confidence to -hmm. speak up or to speak up? And I am curious what you say about this, but I think it's never going to be easy. That first time that you do something like say no, when you want to say no, when you used to always say yes, it's probably Mm going to be really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you just have to do it. And then you realize something, no one died. It's so amazing. Right. <laughs> and that's that drug thing, putting up with a little bit of discomfort and not getting exactly relieved and reassured and comforted, having some discomfort and some patience and doing something a little bit uncomfortable. And then you see like, oh, it worked. Okay. I can do more of that. So start small, start with people that you already trust, like a good friend who's suggesting hey, let's go to this movie. And you're like, okay, sure. But maybe you really want to go to a different movie. And this is a really good friend. Someone you know isn't going to do anything if you speak your mind. Just practice it there. Practice saying, here's what I would like to do and see what happens. And it doesn't necessarily mean even if you don't end up seeing the movie you wanted, maybe there's a little bit of a discussion and maybe you end up agreeing to something else. Another small place to do is with, sounds strange, but with strangers, like in a store or a restaurant, when maybe you didn't get exactly what you want, or in a store and you have to return something. Those are times where I know people pleasers will, oh, it's okay. I'll just, I didn't return this clothing within the return policy date. I'll just eat it and I don't need to return it. Or this isn't what I ordered. It's not exactly right, but they can't remake it. I'll just eat it and deal with it. Those are a little bit easier times. There's not as much risk. So practice there saying, okay, here's what I really wanted. And you can do some validation to the other person. If you can imagine a diamond shape, there's a top and then two sides and a bottom to these points. And the top point is always, hey, what's our common goal here? The other two points are you can validate their side first and then the other person and then your own needs. And then the bottom is always, how can we, or is there anything we can do here? So if you're walking into a store to return a shirt that you bought, didn't wear it, hung in your closet, still has the tags on it, but oh, it's past the return policy date. Some of us would say, oh, well, I can't return it. So push yourself, go to the store. And the top part is the goal that you have in common. So this is a person you've never met, but you've shopped at the store before. So you say, hey, I really like shopping at the store. You just named your common goal there. I like shopping at the store. I bet they like you shopping there too. You're like getting your money. So then you validate their points. Hey, I know that your return policy is 30 days. I know it's past 30 days. I get that. Totally get that. And it's important to say and here instead of but. And, you know, here's what happened. It just hung in my closet and coming in and just thought, and then the bottom is always, how can we, or what can we do? Is there anything we can do here? That's going to come across a lot differently than either not going in at all, not even trying, or coming in demanding, which I know the people listening to this is probably not the issue, but also just coming in saying, "Mm," but really saying like, Hey, the point is you want me to continue shopping here. And you guys have been great to me. I like shopping here. So that's an easier place to try because you don't have a strong connection with that store, that person. You can use the same thing when it comes to a close relationship, when you're working on setting boundaries and asking for what you need then the top part of that diamond is, hey, I really care about you. I love you. Whatever that is, I want this to work. I want us to be together. I want us to, this relationship, whatever relationship it is, I want this to work. I really care about you. And then you go to the other point, which is the validation they need. Like, 
hey, I get that you had this going on. Like, okay, we'll use your situation. I know that you had a rough day at work and you're totally feeling like people are out to get you. And I totally get that. That sounds really horrible. And now you raise your need over here. I'm feeling pretty drained when, you know, this happens a lot. And I've, I feel like I've tried to help, not sure what to do. You've got this stuff that keeps happening and I try to help and I end up getting drained and frustrated too. And then the bottom, what can we do? How can we work on this so that we can both get our needs met? And that's what the other two points are using both my hands, like a scale, like how can we both get our needs met? Like your point is valid. Even if you don't agree with it, you can still say, I get, I get that you feel that way. And you can just say that as sincerely as you can. Like, I get it. I get that you feel that way. And here's what's going on for me. So it was kind of more than, more than your question, but practicing with people you already trust people, there isn't as much risk. And you can even tell people, Hey, I'm practicing expressing myself. And And if they're um, your friend, they're going to cheer you on and say, yes, tell me, oh my gosh, you have an opinion. Please let me, let me, let me hear it. They're going to love it. Right. Probably. (laughs) Yes. And then you're going to get the experience of success at it. Okay. And your brain has been trained to do this. You've been doing it over and over and your brain, that part of your brain needs experience. You can tell yourself logically what you should do, but this instinct is going to kick in and, and do it and take over. So that part of your brain, and I could go into that, but that's probably another story. That part of your brain needs actual experience to go, oh, I get it. That actually works. So when you experience it with someone you trust, getting some good feedback, that part of your brain is also learning, oh, we did it. And yeah, we didn't die. And that person's still our friend. And okay, it's going to be okay. Now you can step it up more and try it with other people that may be at work or in relationships that are a little more difficult that you need to set more of a boundary with. Absolutely perfect. And what a wonderful segue into the inner circle where this is exactly what we do. We practice speaking up for ourselves. We practice saying, here's what I would like. Instead of having yourself either alone or surrounded by people who don't really remember you like that or know you like that and might get kind of weirded out if you start standing up for yourself. The inner circle is all about being with a group of women who are ready to overcome all of this crap, speak their truth. We're going to practice there so you can bring it out into the world. Absolutely. Awesome. I hope you joined me there. You can find information in the show notes. Say you're in this kind of a relationship or you're getting out, say you're getting out of a relationship where it's been toxic. It's been like the drug where it feels good. And then, you know, it's not good for you, but it feels good to get that hit of dopamine or whatever you get. Mm -hmm. And you're compelled to want to text or reach out to this person that you're trying to distance yourself from. What kind of things can you do instead? Some of it is setting it up ahead of time, knowing that this might happen, knowing that you're probably having moments where you're realizing, okay, yeah, that was toxic. And this feels good to do other things in my life. When you're in that mode, make a list, make a list of all the things you know, to do that feel good list of people to call things to do from seems minor, but like taking a bath or going to get your favorite coffee, make a list of all the pleasant things and good people in your life that you can turn to and have that literally handy, like laminate it and have it by your phone. (laughs) And when you're having that urge, go to that list and do 
do all of them if you have to. Start going down the list and do some of them and you will start to feel better and your brain will get trained that, oh, I can feel better in a healthy way. And it actually has a long consequence. I feel better. And then there isn't that negative consequence when the drug crashes. That involves setting things up ahead of time. I know a couple of things mm-hmm. that I did were color and mm-hmm. take walks and listen to uplifting music. Those are things mm-hmm. that really helped me. Yep. Get uplifting music, uplifting podcasts. I mean, there's tons of stuff out there, inspiring people, just be out in nature, positive guided meditations. There's a lot of those out there that you don't have to think. You just listen and just let them walk you through. You're going to be calmer. And when you're calmer, you're going to think more clearly. And then you can go to more things on your list. Then you can call that friend or your mom or (laughs) set up the therapy appointment or set up something positive. So you have to kind of come up with a list while you're feeling good. And you can you can think of those things because in that moment, your brain is overriding and saying nothing else is going to make you feel as good as reaching out to that person. Yes. And I was just on the opposite side of that, Mm -hmm. I feel. And it was very hard not to respond to it. But eventually after multiple sessions with Tina, (laughs) (laughs) multiple phone calls with my mom, I stopped responding and things calmed down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's a bit of training for yourself and then training of the other person. And it sounds like I'm comparing it to a dog or something, but if they're not getting the boundaries that you've set, you've set them and they still push them. You have to back it up and respond firmly, simply a simple, firm command. No, no, thank you. I'm going to hang up the phone now or not responding at all for them to get trained because it's beyond explaining. It's beyond discussion. You've already gone through that with them probably multiple times. And so now it's just set the limit, say, no, don't respond at all. And that's what will eventually, that will work. They may ramp it up a little before they get it. They may try harder and that's where you have to stay firm. Yes. Stay firm. Oh my gosh. Tina, are you offering sessions right now if people want to get a hold of you or how is that working? How can people learn more about you? Yes, I'm kind of in transition right now. So the best thing to do is to call me directly and we can just talk about what you're needing and see what I can do or see if I can make other recommendations for you. And that doesn't mean that I, I, you know, just I have some limits to my email and my phone number are the best ways to reach out to me. We can connect and just, I'm going to go individual basis and just kind of see. Perfect. I'll put your email and phone number in the show notes. Is there any last main thing that you want to share right now with everyone? I like to say, if we could have one saying and just have it like hanging in front of your face all the time, it's not about me, which means what other people are doing has very little to do to nothing to do with you and has everything to do with their own stuff. And so when you can do that, basically you're not taking it personally, like really, really, it's not about me. Then you can feel like, okay, then I can do what's right for me. You're going to be calmer. And then you're going to come from that place of love instead of fear. Fear is going to make you do things that are ineffective. When you're calmer, clearer mind, then you're going to do things that are just Okay, no, thank you. And 
stepping back or I can't think of an example, but you'll just be able to, it'll come to you because you'll be calmer to know what to do. When is the time to step away? When is it time to like, oh, okay, I can attempt something more effective here. I think they're going to listen to this. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you got exactly what you needed out of this episode. If you did, please share it with a friend. We need women to set better boundaries and start standing up for ourselves. Every one of us deserves that. The more of us that do it, the more it's normalized, the more other people will recognize our value. Mm, That sounds nice. If you want to practice what you learned today with a group of women who are on your side and totally here to lift you up, join the inner circle. I will have a worksheet with that diamond exercise so you can practice speaking out loud your common goal with the other person, what they want, and bring up what you want at least to their level so you can then say, How do we make this work so we both end up happy and neither of us end up drained? What a wonderful world that's going to (laughs) be. Yes. You might remember from last week in the Inner Circle Gathering in September, which is the second Sunday, so it'll be on the 12th, we will have a little bit of swear therapy and we are going to cut and clear energetic cords. So these people that we need to set physical boundaries with, we're also going to pull our energy away from. Now, when you do that, sometimes they realize it unconsciously and start reaching for you. So now having this tool to set a boundary is going to be so helpful. If you want to be in on that, join the inner circle. The link is in the show notes. Next week, you are going to hear from Michal. She was in Israel. Well, she lives in Israel. And she was sipping wine at midnight when we were recording the podcast at 11 a.m. Hawaii time. Michal is all about normalizing the single life experience for women and destigmatizing it. That it is an absolutely valid life choice. She is a wonderful woman. You're going to love her. And I can't wait to introduce you to her next week. I will see you in the inner circle. Until next time, respect yourself shamelessly. Stay true to you. Mm-hmm.